Welcome to NBNR, the authority on unfiltered opinions and authentic player insight for Nebraska athletics. Connect with us on Twitter, Instagram, and at nbnrpodcast.com. We have a saying, no block, no rock. You know, we just really love Hunter. He's a junkyard dog. Yeah. Kenny Bell ran up to me he's like, you know what you just, what you just did? <laughs> you get mad. You went to go get in the portal and go to another podcast? You know, usually dumbbells are in pairs. They had five dumbbells. Hey, <laughs> gone it, Muhammad! G-B-R. No Block, No Rock, Season 3, Episode 5, coming at you once again from the Nebraska Brewing Company Tap Room and 108th and Harrison in La Vista, Nebraska. Woo! Wick for Brains is my shit tonight. Mike, you got a big wick. Well, I do have a big wick, but I do want to talk about the beer I just had prior to my big wick. Go on. I had their cherry rhubarb. Cherry rhubarb, yeah. Yeah. Barb. Yeah, it was rhubarb. fucking good. What's a rhubarb? Whatever. Rhubarb. It's close enough. There's a fucking bee in there. Whatever. How, what did it, it was, taste like? Was it good? It little tart, but I like tart. Like, it's kind of like a sour. It was yeah. good, though. It like, was pretty close. It was pretty close. Uh, I liked it a lot. So, new on tap. Come in and try it. Kyle, what you drinking? I've got the cow tipper once again. Hey. I, You know, I'm, I'm the, the taco beza guy, but... Since Cow Tipper came out, like this is what I'm getting like every single week. Dude, they should take that Cow Tipper and call it the No Block No Rock special Ooh, beer because it's oh. it's pretty good. I'll talk to my agent. Yeah, talk to your agent. <laughs> agent. I I don't want to shock anybody, but as per usual, I am drinking the Pilsner. It Weird. is. Yeah, everyone. Uh, I know everyone listening at home is just absolutely losing their minds right now. But yeah, no, there's a lot of cool new stuff on tap. Definitely drop into the tap room. You might run into some of the MBNR guys. Uh, I would recommend keeping Hi. your distance. None of us are that cool. <laughs> yeah, I advise. Speak for yourself. Far away. Speak for yourself. I sign autographs. Did I, did I tell you guys I actually did sign autographs at Werner Park the other day? For that, what? Who the fuck wants your autograph? My buddy, we were uh, pouring into beer fest, and my buddy was like, oh, yeah, he's on a, a Husker football no podcast. And I'm not kidding you. I signed somebody's jersey. With- okay, now, guys, so... You know, we talked about the wick and the rhubarb and the taco vesa. Go get all these things. They are on tap. If you go to hy V, most of these things are canned most of for, them, yeah. for a reasonable price. Yeah. So please go go buy the NBC stuff. Yeah. And, and no tell them sponsors. no block. Oh, and no no sponsors. I guess I don't us, know so. that we have said on air yet about the no block, no rock. Did oh, we, yes. Did we, did we talk about that? Bring no, it we up. didn't. Bring it up. Let's talk, talk about, about it. it. Talk about it. Um, if you guys did get a chance to come in and try the No Bach, No Rock, which was the first beer that Nebraska Brewing Company was able to make for the podcast, it was entered in the U.S. Open, which is a huge competition for beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a very big deal. Uh, and the No Bach, No Rock took a gold medal. Yes, sir. Hey, R.I.P. Woo! Serena. U.S. Open. R.I.P. Uh, R.I.P. Serena. <laughs> yep. But yeah, it took, a, took a medal. So that's a medal not only for this awesome brewery, one of the best, if not the best, in the Midwest. Indeed. But... That's a medal for the pod. Yeah. 100%. I mean, gold medal podcast, gold medal beer. It just makes sense. Let's fucking go. Never lost. Never lost. Undefeated. Okay, guys. Before we get into North Dakota, I just want to say, Nebraska fans, we always get shit for being stuck in the 90s. But you Ooh. know what? You know what? At least we're stuck in the 1990s. Iowa is stuck in the 1890s. Did you watch that fucking game? <laughs> If you can call it or a South game. South Dakota State, did you see that? Can you call that a game? No touchdowns, two safeties. It's... I mean, y'all won. I mean, have at it. That's good, awesome. Good for you. But Jesus. I guess. It's a win. I mean, did you see the headlines out of the Gazette the next day? 
Oh, yeah, with the, with the, the I no w. w. Yeah, there, because they said there was no, <laughs> no O in sight. Yeah. There was no O in sight. But yeah. I, that's incredible. But there will be a, they will somehow have all I O W A when they play Nebraska. Don't worry. So, they'll have a lot of O there. Yeah. They'll have plenty of O when they I, play Nebraska. I saw Petrus. Uh, in fact, this is not to, you know, just sit here and rag on Iowa all day. No. Um, I, I did not know that a 1.1 was an actual number that you could have for a QBR. Yeah, he incredible. 1.1. That's incredible. I, I seriously think you could have sat down on the ground and threw the ball to the center's ass, and you would have got that same QBR. Give so, the man a trophy. It's like showing up to the ACT and just signing your name. You get a certain amount of points yeah. just Holy doing that. fuck. I had, I had never heard of a number that low. Why didn't they – like, okay, I don't want to get on this Iowa thing. Let's get off of it really fast, but why wouldn't they pull him? I don't they already it. ran two quarterbacks last year. They're both there. Why? you got to think Brian, Brian Ferentz is a genius. Dude, right? I love, so Brian should you, be the OC for <laughs> Iowa for the next 50 fucking years. Next head I coach, so. please, God. Thank God, please. <laughs> please. Okay. Fuck Kurt. So, anchored by a strong fourth quarter. Whew. Nebraska pulled out a victory over North Dakota, 38-17. to Let's get into positives first. Woo. I have to say, I got to say this. I got a fever, and the only prescription is more cowbell. And we're going to put that cowbell around Anthony Grant's fucking neck. Yep. Because he is the bell cow. I don't want to hear no, oh, I don't want to crown him. Shut up. This dude is your RB1. Stop with the, the stupid, weird... Personnel changes. This is your guy. Named the Big Ten Co-Offensive Player of the Week. Stop with the circus act. I want to jump back to last week's post-game breakdown where we were talking through our positives with Northwestern. I talked to Kyle about this earlier where I brought up that my biggest positive out of that game was Anthony Grant. And we just glossed over it. And I felt like watching him just, you know, it wasn't the greatest game in the world. No. Hell no. But watching Anthony Grant just run through brick walls. He's a joystick. Almost every time Human he grabbed that ball. joystick. Made me feel so vindicated about my love and appreciation for Anthony Grant. I mm-hmm. love that kid. He's incredible. Did anybody bring uh, any other positives besides Anthony Grant? Because holy yeah, shit. Yeah, we had Look, a Casey I got, Thompson here I got things there. here. I okay, got things. Okay, I just wanted to make sure because <laughs> tip our captain, Anthony Grant. <laughs> Don't Nebraska fans listening, please do not crown him as the next Amir Abdullah. But goddamn, if he plays like it's, that every week, it's funny because I was gonna say Amir Anthony Grant. <laughs> he is. I mean, seriously. Like when I watched him, I'm like, gosh, I've seen this before. Listen, Very similar running style. Those jump cuts. They they break my ankles from the stands. Like they, it it was fun and enjoyable to watch when we actually gave him the ball. Going to those personnel things though, randomly. Hey, Grant, just the whole drive and then yeah. just gone. Hold on, stick with the positives. Hold on. Sorry, I know. Sorry. Listen, it's okay. Oh. It's okay. We're gonna we're gonna get on all that. So we always talk about like a running back. You can generally see a guy that's different, right? When you watch Anthony Grant run, he just doesn't look like everybody else. Like it looks like he, he's, he's like fighting while he runs. It's like he has a very distinct style. And honestly, I think that's part of why he gets so tired so fast because it, it looks like he's exerting everything that he has on each and every carry. He, he runs is angry. A he's he a dog. He runs angry. <laughs> He's got that dog. Anyone that gets in front of him, like his whole thought is either A, I'm going to break your ankles, or B, I'm going to break every other bone in your body and just run yeah. straight through you. And look, that offensive line, um, that's a, that's a negative, but that it's it's kind of hard for the chicken and egg, right? Like the offensive line makes your running back look good. He made them he, look good. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, he had he, the majority of his yards 
were yards after contact. So don't be telling me the, the offensive, offensive line did their thing in the fourth quarter, but he made the offensive line look good because he made chicken salad out of chicken shit most of the time. <laughs> it is nice, though, that you know last year we talked a whole lot about the team not having a fourth quarter and we just couldn't finish. It's nice to see a team that only has a fourth quarter. They finished. <laughs> they okay. finally finished. Let's, let's get into that positive, yeah, right? positive. Oh. We won. First time in how many days? Do you have, do you have it's it? It's no. 11 months and a day. 11 months and a day was the last time Nebraska won a football game yeah. against Northwestern, 56-7. Mm-hmm. It felt so rejuvenating despite how the game looked in the right. first half and everything. It just felt so good leaving Memorial Stadium with a big smile on my face and then waking up Sunday morning and realizing that my team did not finally fucking lose. And look, a big part of that was the offensive line finally, after three quarters, looked like the FBS team yeah. over the FCS team, right? You could, so you could, you could literally see the the talent and momentum take over in the latter part of that fourth quarter, and it was refreshing to see. Okay, even though it should, it's, it should not take that long. No, and if it does against a Big Ten team, it's not going to be good. Okay? Bad, not going to be good. Bad, bad. Okay, but a play that we cannot overlook is the Trey Palmer high point catch. Yes. On third and 14. Yep. Go okay. make a fucking play. He And he did, man. I mean, third and 14 from your own seven, that's just going up and making a play. That's that's great. I don't want to overlook that. Does anyone want to add anything? Trey Palmer looks – he okay. looks all right, man. Trey Palmer he looks all right. I'm going to give a quick shout-out. Omar Manning. Okay. Yeah. Jared writ, yeah. wrote him off uh, last week and said, hey, wow. I don't think we're going to see Omar the rest of the year. Dude, Omar – he had special packages. I don't know if he's still in timeout or what's going on with Omar. But when he did come in the game, the dude is a fucking monster at blocking. Yeah. And he's passionate about it. The dude's flexing. He's knocking guys on their fucking ass. Yeah. And he seriously was the definition of no block, no rock. Hell. Get him the fucking ball. Let's go. What was his uh, his rating on blocking? Was like a 72-2? No, I think it was like 83%. I'm looking for it right now. Yeah, I don't have the exact number, but I think it was over 80. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, and and to, on that first drive, too, I, I just want to give a shout-out to Marcus Washington. He also did his thing blocking and, re- and receiving on that first drive. Can we get a negatives now? Because Marcus no. Washington No, is hold my... on a second. Hold on. There's positives to take from this game. Okay, we just talked about... No, all hold on a second. Jor- Gar- Garrett Nelson strip sack, baby. There's, Dude, there's our, one. our cheerleader finally did something. <laughs> Sweet. Hold there, on. Hold. Okay, oh, go. Sorry, go. There, There is one play that we, we talk about plays that we can't overlook, and I know I'm... Positive? Jump- no. Uh, Come on. Squid, the stop it. Oh, we, we're oh. staying... All- it's, it's a punt return. Hey, hold on. Speaking of punting, it's a punt return uh, where we decide, you know, maybe why why wouldn't we pick it up while surrounded what? by white jerseys? Hold on. What, what happened? What happened right before that? Okay, does that J- matter? Javin Wright, it was a punt block. Okay, you I just want to give out a shout Te- out to Javin Wright. Technically not a block because it did go 19 go yards forward. Yeah, I know. I know. Technically not a block. It's still it's a something. Block. It's still it counts something. in the book as a block, right? And look, you no, talk it about doesn't count in the book as a block. <sighs> really? No, because it uh, went 19 yards forward. It doesn't count. I think it does. It it does. No. I looked on Husker Max, and it did say punt block. Yeah, so whatever that's does, worth, whatever that's worth. If the defender touches the ball he, off the punter's foot, I think it automatically counts as a block, no matter how far it goes. It would have went longer than 19 if it wasn't. The, Obviously. The, the broadcast was telling me, you know, since okay. it, it, I don't know what the exact distance is, if it, if it eclipses a certain distance forward. Okay. I, you know, I could be wrong. Well, I've look, been wrong before, and I'll be wrong again. At least, at least he got there, okay? I'll take that. Bill, that is a sort of Bill bonus. Bush, Bill Bush, let's go. Okay, is it negative time yet? Because uh, I just need to get into uh, personal. Okay, okay. Negative. okay. I just want to say, just real quick, guys. Goddamn. <sighs> Shit, man. 
You guys and your negativity, Jesus. The king of negativity Jesus. is yelling at us for people, being negative. Yeah, people always say I'm the negative guy. Look, man. Yeah, right. I just I called us eight and four this season. This, this is just going to be my big picture thing, okay? Halftime rolls around at seven to seven. They are getting booed. And when I say they, it's mostly Frost, right? It's mostly Frost getting booed. But if you're a player, you take that as you being booed, it's, okay? Yeah, it's hard not it, to separate. It's, it's hard to separate that. Yeah. It's just booze. And, and look. <laughs> I made that video and the whole stadium was like, this is, this is Frost's like McNeese state. This is his Northern Illinois game. Like it doesn't, this is probably it's the a, end of funeral. Okay. And look, you think the, the players don't know that they know that. Okay. I just want to give credit for them. Not totally wilting. They overcame that adversity. Okay. I, people know how I feel about Scott Frost and how he's not the long-term answer. Okay, and I, I personally doubted that they would win this game. But they hurtled over adversity this time. And maybe we're underestimating FCS talent. I don't know. But I am basking in every single win that they can scrap and claw out of yeah, this season. Absolutely. It, it went from being a close loss to actually winning a game, taking control of the game late, and winning the game by 21 points. That's good. So, yes, that is positive. Yes. Negatives, go. Negatives, go. Okay. <laughs> I have to jump in right away about personnel because you brought up Marcus Washington. You brought up uh, Gabe Irvin comes in. Yeah, Gabe Irvin for comes some in reason. for some fucking reason. <laughs> uh, Brody Belt comes in. And, like you're bringing in these packages when guys like you have a hot drive, right? Marcus Washington comes in, does fucking work. The, the starting receivers are Trey Palmer, Alante Brown, and Marcus Washington, right? It looks that yeah. way. And the offense works. They score. Perfect. Yeah. Next drive, none of those guys are in. Why? Like, explain. And we talked about this a thousand fucking times. Personnel yeah. has been a problem where they're trying to get everybody touches and all yeah. that stuff. How about get a game in hand and then let then play those personnel things? Get a game where you're you're winning by more than well, actually not tied going into the fucking halftime mm. with an FCS team. Do not make all your razzle dazzle personnel changes until you have a fucking lead. Because that shit drove me insane. Marcus Washington goes balls out, and then, hey, next drive. Hey, Oliver Martin, come on in. <laughs> hey, Brody Belt, come And on look, in. man, I'm sorry. Jacob Winemaster returning kicks. Why? I and didn't look, understand that look, at all. Look, Phelan Sanford's on defense. Now, he made an okay he, he play. He did make a play. But Why? after all that talk we've heard about, all these transfers and Deshaun Singleton, Phelan Sanford's on the field. And getting the starters in there to return kicks and starters are going to be part of the special teams. And right. And you have, okay, Wyatt Lever, Lever, Lever. Who cares? Tries, tries to pick up the ball, whatever. And then he's, he's in like literally right after. And it's like, dude, you should have been ripped <sighs> off the field. That play, like if it would have went wrong, it didn't go wrong. Should've. But if it, it did, that's just a totally Nebraska a play that loses you the game. But then he, he trots back out there on number his little 85. Doo, doo, doo. I like, mean, dude, I mean, no wonder we got lucky. That's the only reason that didn't go wrong. Hey, that, that play was so <laughs> You know why I didn't go wrong? Why? He's a Nebraska guy. That's oh, why. Shit. That's why a lot of these guys are playing. They're Nebraska guys. That, that's what we want. The most <laughs> talent in the country comes from the state of Nebraska, obviously, right? Ask any Nebraska <laughs> and they'll tell you that. So personnel is still wonky. Okay, that's a negative. Missed tackles. Jesus Christ. Still still an epidemic. It's worse than COVID ever was. I mean, look, guys. I love Garrett Nelson. 
I should say I love his passion more than anything. You you love but, the cheerleader himself, <laughs> Darren Nelson. Dude, that first drive, he makes a tackle after the dude goes like three or four yards, and he's in the backfield pointing and dancing around. Love your passion, Garrett. But Jesus Christ, dude. Like, can we just... They were on the field, North Dakota, for over six minutes on that first drive, and you got bailed out by a false start penalty. It's just like... You see these missed tackles, you you see the, the pointing and dancing, and then them celebrating after North Dakota converted on a fourth down. And two did you guys catch that? Did and you guys catch that? Them jumping around after North Dakota converted yeah. on that fourth down right before right before the half ended. I don't know. I like where's the focus? Where's the just do your fucking job? Like you're supposed to stop them. And like you're dancing around like you're fucking Peter Pan or whatever. Like, like Tommy Hill did job. the same shit. Tommy Hill makes a fucking he thought a stop on fourth down and they got the first fucking down. Yeah, that's what I'm talking oh, about. Oh, that's what you're talking about. Yeah. Yes. Like Tommy yeah. literally is like dancing and shit. <laughs> and they're moving the chains. Like, dude, go back and play your fucking position. But I will say he did make up for it later in the game. Yeah. Though, because he got that holding call and he told he turned to the fans. And said, "Shh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we yeah. are booing. We are booing the call. <laughs> we weren't even booing the team. We and, and it was the he, call. He held him. He held he him. Whatever. He did. And then he made a play. Yeah. So like he backed it up. But that dude does not go to the ball as far as like tackling goes. If you want to stick on like bad tackling and negatives, dude. when when there are plays going near Tommy Hill, he is nowhere to be found. When like if it's a run play, he you might as well just put him on the sideline because he does not care. <laughs> well, and, North, Northwestern, the Northwestern game, that kind of." reared its ugly head um as far as i'm concerned against northwestern because there were several times where it looked like the running back or the wide receiver was getting ready to go down on a tackle you see a couple guys running towards to help and, and they then they just kind of stop they let and up. they're like oh he's got him and then yeah. he doesn't and now he's got 10 15 extra yards or whatever the case was and so that kind of reared its ugly head whereas you you look at the history of eric shenander's teams and there, his unit is usually the one where you've got six hats on a ball carrier. You've got six people all just moving as one towards whoever is is carrying the ball, and that's what has separated his first four years and his fifth year. I Dude, think yeah. is because it's there's a, yeah. it's like a, it's like a one man show, right? Okay, he's got the tackle. Oh wait, no, he doesn't, and I'm too far now. Like it's this they, looks like Kevin Cosgrove type shit. Yeah, this well, is reminiscent talking, of it. They're talking like solo tackles, and a guy who balled out. And I guess I forgot this is a positive. Isaac Gifford, he balled the fuck out. He played good. He had a lot, yeah. a lot of solo tackles, and you should not have that. You should be having a lot of half tackles, half set. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. there was not a lot of movement towards the ball, so. Yeah. Isaac, he's coming into his own in that JoJo role. I think he played pretty well, um, especially when Nick Heinrich, your captain's out. Travis Volk, like your captain's out. Mm-hmm. I mean, captains are down. You have a true freshman starting at linebacker and Ernest Hausman. And I think he played okay. I mean, for an 18-year-old soaking wet, yes, he played fine. The fact that he tackle, has to play right, the fact that, that, that he, has, problem. he shouldn't be playing. That depth. Well, yeah. You're telling me there's there's nobody else on this team that can play middle linebacker. Mm. And you have to go to a true freshman who's 18 years old and probably 180 pounds soaking wet. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, and my point about the defense, I'm not saying don't play with passion, okay? But it's just, do your fucking job. And just act like you've been there. And on it's it was kind of embarrassing to watch Garrett Nelson do the whole point thing. It's like, dude, they got four yards on you. Shut anyway, and he, got, and he got his strip sack. Okay, good for him. All right. 
And Matt has got his first act, too. Woo! We got to shift into one thing. Please go. After the game. Uh-oh. Scott Frost was asked. Hey, who called the plays in the second well, half? Well, okay. Can we, can we dive into that? Damn. We got to dive into well, that. Well, we can, but I don't, I don't know if it's a concern yet. Okay. But go on, go on. Sorry. I just want to, I want to know. I just want to ask you guys. Who do you think called the plays in the second half? Do you think Whipple was still pulling the strings, or do you think Frost decided? Because he had a sheet in his hand. Yeah, he, he was calling plays in the second half. I you, think, I think yeah. he was. There and, was. And I'm not saying it was all Frost and no Whipple, but I think he definitely had a heavier hand in the second half. There, okay, so in the second half, there is a scene. That's what I'll call it. Scene. There's a scene where the camera is on Whipple and Frost are standing next to each other. And it looked to me like Whipple was cussing under his breath. Mm. Oh, he was angry. And, you know, Scott's holding his sheet and Whipple's holding his. And it looks like <laughs> Whipple is saying, what the fuck are we this, doing? This like, motherfucker. <laughs> like, no, and, and, and this, is, this is totally like speculation, obviously. But just yeah. from like that one shot I saw in the second half, it was those two standing on the sideline. Whipple seemed upset and Frost kind of looked like he was just not making eye contact. Look, man. Like, you know what I mean? So I think after the first half, you go in the you go in halftime seven and seven. And obviously, like things aren't going well. And then they come out and you have scenes like what I just described. And you have to use your imagination a bit because none of us know. He didn't answer the question. Right. Well, the, I think the fact that he didn't is pretty telling. I think it's that there was telling. I think there was definitely one of those I'm the boss talks. We're going to fix this right now. And Scott was just like, I'm going to start calling some of these plays. And, you know. Well, okay. And, and I respect Scott for that, too, because he's coaching for his fucking life. Dude, when it was 7-7, seven, seven, his, his job was done. It was gone. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, absolutely. And if, if he did pull the strings in the second half and he put his wrinkle on that offense, goddamn, it looked good. It if, really did. Yeah. And nobody, I won't say we nobody has knocked his play calling abilities. It's just been everything else. It's been just so much other things. It's just a little cute shit. Yeah, stuff that doesn't need shit, to happen. Right? Yeah. So if, if he can put his Scott Frost wrinkle, and I hope Whipple saw some things and he's like, holy shit, yeah, you're right, Scott. You're 100% right. This offensive line obviously is not great, but we are running the ball well. We are moving the ball. Anthony Grant is a special player. Yes, we need to keep feeding him the ball. I hope that's the case. But when you hear the things like Gabe Irvin's a special player, he needs to get the ball. Uh, Ramir Johnson, he, you know, he, need, we need to find ways to get him the ball. To me, I'm like, fuck that. Just give. <laughs> let the this best, isn't fucking little league. Let the best players, Jesus, play. Do not bring in guys that you are you have favoritism towards. Because I think that's been his downfall in the last five years. Is he has played favorites? He's the, yes. the Scott Frost guys. Yeah. The the Nebraska guys play the guys who are going to save your fucking job, save your livelihood. Because think about it. If I'm Scott Frost, I, I'm a national championship winning quarterback. I pretty much burn a bridge in my own home state when this doesn't work. So you start to think like, okay, Scott Frost is thinking to himself, where am I going now? Yeah, I'm getting booed. I'm getting this, booed. Just like I was versus UCF back in 96, I'm getting booed again. Getting booed by my own people. Yep. And his, his folk hero status seems to be dwindling it is that, that light is going out and so yeah i wouldn't be surprised if he said i'm going down with the fucking ship my way going down you know? with my way yeah and and look man we said before the season these guys are both type a motherfuckers okay mark whipple he's got his 50 years experience he's been coaching longer than 
you know, he he's forgotten more football than I've ever learned, right? So he's a hard-headed dude. Frost, he's a hard-headed dude. Arrogant. This yeah. ar- arrogant, right? Conf- overconfident to a fault. And we were wondering, how is this relationship going to morph? How is this going to evolve over the course of a season? We're in game two. And versus North Dakota, this is a, f- this is a thing. This is a thing already. Yeah. So you said it. Look, you said it last week. And that was my favorite thing about the entire episode last week. As you said, eventually it's going to get to the point where it's going to be the Frost versus Whipple show, and it won't even matter what's happening on the field. And I think mm. it all, we already saw it in week two. You know, watching the the relationship. I mean, we saw Casey run with the ball more, didn't we? Weird. And that was there right, was a little right when play. the second half started. Yep. Oh, option. You, Casey does have legs. Like he was, he actually <laughs> is able to run. And you saw, okay, there were a couple moments, too, where Casey, he, he's looking at his reads. As soon as he realized, hey, there's 10 yards in front of me, you saw him take off. Yeah, man. He had, like, I can just think of two notable runs off the top of my head where it was, you know, he had that option run, whatever. An, a new little wrinkle that probably wasn't Whipple's call. And then, yeah, that little elusive escape and he had it was i think it was yeah. like 20 yards or whatever it was like he, yeah. he literally like snapped the ball looked up realized he had 10 yards took off yeah so just big picture thoughts guys the thing i'll be looking for is how does this team respond or cope with the win they haven't done it a lot they're not used to winning yet <laughs> handle success so, right like you've gotten the win can you and you finish strong and it feels good man it feels really good please don't become complacent don't get too big for your britches, right? Everybody's on campus going to give you a nice little slap on the back. Please keep building. Don't be com- don't be content, right? Have never won three in a row. Maybe they can make Oklahoma that third. Woo! Okay, guys, we are NBNR listeners, faithful NBNR listeners out there. We were able to wrangle Frank Solkowski, and he is the pregame Georgia Southern guy. He's a he's a pre- he's a prominent journalist in the Georgia area and he covers Georgia Southern. So we're going to bring him on and he's going to tell us a little bit more about this upcoming game with Georgia Southern. Let's take it to that interview. Let's do it. We want to welcome Frank, the big guy, Solkowski. He is a journalist for WJCL News out of Savannah, Georgia. And he is the pregame host uh, for Georgia Southern football. We want to thank you for taking some time out of your Labor Day Monday and coming on the No Block No Rock podcast. Guys, I appreciate the invite and anytime we can talk about some football, we're uh, we're more than happy to do it. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So speaking of football, yeah. I think it's it's always great to get kind of a, a national perspective on things cuz we are in our own little bubble here in Nebraska. <laughs> for good for for better or worse. Um so it's always interesting. So I just want to ask you um, what is your impression of Nebraska football right now overall, and perhaps your perception of Scott Frost as a head coach here at Nebraska? Well, you know, I mean, Frost is a guy who, you know, down here in the southeast we knew about and, and we knew what he was as a head coach. Nebraska, you know, growing up, playing football and being a fan of it and then covering it, you know, Nebraska's always been Nebraska. I mean, the brand is something that in good times and bad, Everybody knows that end, man. They, they know Nebraska. And, and you know, the, the thing we have to remember is uh, Tommy Frazier probably ain't walking through the door again, but it is yeah. what it is. Tom Osborne ain't going to be, you know, we, we, we get it. We, we know the history of Nebraska. 
Um, and again, you know, but where you guys are now, of course, we don't look at it as, you know, the struggle so much as uh, you're taking on a, a program that has won national titles at the highest level possible is still out there getting, you know, these four, five, six, 10 star recruits that, you know, Georgia Southern doesn't have any on their roster. Uh, <laughs> and let's be honest, you know, for, for a team like Georgia Southern, uh, this is a good gauge. This is a, a program that, uh, you know, when they made the move from the the uh, FCS to the uh, FBS and the Sunbelt Conference, uh, they seem to be, uh, you know, swinging for the fences, coming off a win against the Florida Gators, uh, Georgia Southern and Appalachian State were the teams that were going to go into the into the big boy football holding hands and hands and skipping and, and all that good stuff. And then Georgia Southern has some turnover with coaches and, uh, and that, you know, App State didn't. And they hired within and they were able to, to get a little separation from us. Now, with that said, you know, Georgia Southern always gets up for Appalachia State and we, we you know, we win our fair share of games against them. But they've become the, the visible force. And, and I think Georgia Southern is, is ready to get back to that level. And uh, to do that, we, we got to start knocking off uh, guys like uh, the Nebraska Cornhuskers. We, oh. we have to do that. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, we have to do that. I mean, we can be back here in our little Sunbelt uh, bubble, uh, but, you know, those visible games against the Power Fives, I mean, those are the ones you got to have it. I mean, our marquee win uh, against the Power Five was against Florida uh, in one of their down years. Uh, but it's still something to celebrate. You beat an SEC school there. Uh, and they've come close, but I, I think the fan base is tired of coming close, almost winning at North Carolina State, almost winning at Georgia Tech, taking the University of Georgia to overtime. I mean, these are all games where, where Georgia Southern has, uh, you know, been one bounce, one play away from getting a, a, a signature win. So, uh, again, here's another opportunity to, to do it uh, against the Nebraska team that I know, uh, you know, they see the cutout, the, the headlines and they hear everything online and the buzz, and, and and they're tired of it too. So hopefully, uh, this isn't the week that they get really mad and get really fired up, looking to take it out on somebody. Yeah, yeah, and like a, you you mentioned beating Florida, and I just want to say like, I don't want to want to be the cliche run the ball guy, but I mean I admire guys like Paul Johnson and Jeff Munkin, and I'm glad that they are not coming into Lincoln running that offense because. I mean, they put up, I mean, near over 400 yards of rushing against Florida. Yeah. And now you got, you know, Clay Hilton coming in. Yeah. And so a guy with decent name recognition, I mean, he won 10 games twice at USC, uh, won the Rose Bowl, I believe. Yeah. So what is your impression of Clay Hilton so far? Huge adjustments offensively kind of changing from that option-oriented offense. Um, Is he like a long-term guy? Just what's your assessment of Clay Hilton overall? I, I mean, it was a home run hire for Georgia Southern. You know, this as part of the evolution, I think what Georgia Southern was seeing, uh, they're still going to run the ball. Don't get me on. That's what they want to do first. It's just not going to be that that option base. Now, there are still uh, option plays in there. Don't they're, they're not going to go completely away from it. And when you look at their, uh, you know, their stable of running backs, uh, Georgia Southern has talent there uh, behind the quarterback. Uh, lucky for Georgia Southern and, and having the transfer portal around now, uh, Georgia Southern was able to go out and get a quarterback that can run Clay Helton's system in Kyle Vantries, who you guys saw last year when he was there with Buffalo. Yep. Uh, so, you know, this isn't his first trip to Lincoln, which, 
is really huge. Um, and it's huge for Georgia Southern because you have a guy coming in here, uh, you know, who's not an option quarterback, can can kind of do the things that Coach Helton and his staff want done. Uh, they're looking for a guy with quick release, looking for a guy who goes through his, through his progressions really quick, uh, looking to spread it out. I mean, back on Saturday against Morgan State, and we're not going to, you know, we're not so deluded uh, that we think that uh, Morgan State and Nebraska are on the same level. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but last week in the season opener, a 59-7 win, uh, Georgia Southern had 10 different receivers catch the ball. Uh, you know, Vantries throws four touchdowns. And, and here's, the, here's the funny thing. We talk about Georgia Southern running the ball. Mm-hmm. The four touchdown passes, that ties a school record for uh, touchdown passes in a game. So <laughs> Nice. You know, so again, we, 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 we haven't done much uh, throwing through the, uh, you know, forward pass. Uh, here in State Pro, and, and you know, you talk about that Florida game. Uh, yeah, we didn't complete a pass against the Gators, and we beat them. We had yeah. zero passing yards, and we went to SEC and beat a team. So I don't care as good or as bad as they were. That was still a pretty, uh, pretty impressive feat. Uh, Clay Helton, uh, you know what? He is a he's a businessman. This is what he does. He is a professional football coach. You know, he is a professional college football coach. It's in his blood. You know, his father. Uh, this guy bleeds football and i think for him this was exactly what the doctor ordered after being i mean and i'm not going to say west coast football is a pressure cooker by no means uh but a little less traffic in statesboro georgia compared to uh la um you know uh, but i think we do have just as many beautiful people as they do out west. Um, but when you talk about going into a press conference and you got, uh, you know, the sharks ready to bite off your head out there, here you get guys like me. And I mean, we're, listen, listen, I'm just an overweight guy who somehow suckered a TV station into hiring me and I work hard. <laughs> I get to cover football. You know, I made a career out of it. But uh, Helton has been a, a professional guy since day one. And I think what Georgia Southern did that was huge, and we may start seeing a lot more schools doing it. Once they made a coaching change last season, they brought Helton in during the season. They made the hire middle of the season and got him in here. So, you know, while, you know, Saturday was his first game in the official beginning of the Clay Helton era, it hasn't felt that way because he was around, you know, for a majority of last year, right into the offseason, both signing periods. So it's a guy who's, you know, already put his fingerprint on the program. And uh, it was just, you know, the next step was was getting a game under your belt. So, you know, I think he's put together a really young staff. Uh, I think he, you know, he has a lot to offer these young men and a lot to offer Georgia Southern. Will it be a long-term thing? Will, will, will Clay Helton be here as long as, you know, Paul Johnson or Irk Russell or, or uh, you know, Jeff Munkin? Probably not. And, and I think the fan base is okay with that. They just hope that Clay Helton can get this program back to where they need to be before it's handed off and, and get the program uh, running smooth again and and being competitive and being visible and being in the conversation now that we're moving on to the ever-changing world of college football. Well, and it's, it's funny that you brought that up because I was about to ask you, uh, you know, would you consider this maybe a stepping stone for, for Clay Helton to get back into a big-time Power 5 job? And it seems like it seems like you guys have kind of already accepted that if he has success here, uh, you know, he could be and being a, a professional coach, being that businessman, yeah. uh, taking his talents elsewhere. But it, I mean, if the fan base accepts that and then one one other thing that you said, too, is, you know, going from that triple option and then setting records at four touchdown passes. Hey, we did that, man. 
we we did that. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, when you bring in a Bill Callahan and and we're setting all these passing records, we never had to throw the ball back in the back in the golden days. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and don't get me wrong, you have you you guys have seen it, you you've lived through it. You know, let's be honest, running the football isn't sexy, apparently. You know, I mean yeah. It, it, it's, it's not sexy, right. but you know, I, I mean, I ran the ball when I was a high school football player, college football, hell, I got in a four point stance and we just went. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where, uh, you know, yeah, it may not be sexy. It may not be fun, but you know, what is fun winning and Georgia Southern did a lot of it when they were running the ball and, and running that option attack, uh, you know, six national titles, uh, was, 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 you know, year in and year out, one of those teams that, that was a, a perennial power at the one double a level. And one of those teams that, that frankly, uh, when they were in the FCS, a lot of the big teams like a Nebraska would not play because of that, you know, that mm-hmm. option got to get ready for that. That takes away practice time. You got these guys coming in here who are going to chop those legs out of those defensive linemen. I mean, stuff that you guys used to do, we used to do. And, uh, you know, and, and again, we came close a lot and, you know, we, we've moved up. We're, we're part of the Sunbelt Conference now. And I, I know Georgia Southern's excited to, to be there because, frankly, you know, since Southern uh, joined the Sunbelt, uh, you know, you kind of get the feeling that the Sunbelt is the top program in the group of five or the Sunbelt's the top conference in the group of five. Uh, and it won't surprise me if things continue to go. I mean, you, you get a, a team like Old Dominion, who this is their first year, and they knock mm-hmm. off Virginia Tech. Now yep. we're saying, okay, the new – and we got Marshall coming in. You know, you got James Madison, which a lot of teams have been excited about. Uh, you know, if Georgia Southern can get back where they are, Appalachian State, Louisiana. Uh, you know, I mean, who's to say that we're not talking about the Power Six and putting the Sunbelt Conference sure, no. uh, in Power <laughs> Six? I mean, in, in all yeah. And, you know, you you're talking about – how difficult it is to prepare for the option because it is such a uh, underused philosophy. Now you have army. They were yep. supposed to play Tennessee this year yep. and Tennessee ducked out of that game. And there was a lot of hand wringing over that. Yep. And uh, app state put up a fight uh, this weekend versus yep. North Carolina made things very scary for them. Yeah. Um, and of course they have the, the biggest upset of all time in the big house. So I don't think you're completely off base. I don't know about a power six like that. But. <laughs> now, again, the way you build that resume and you get yourself in that argument is making it a regular occurrence where, you know, Georgia Southern goes into Lincoln and doesn't just play well. I mean, let's be honest. College football is not about the participation trophies anymore. I mean, it's, it's right. what can you do? We need wins. So wins. Georgia Southern's not coming there to, to play close or have a moral victory to hell with that. They're coming there to win and they see, Oh, 21 point underdog. I mean, you got people here, like they're, they're putting up their whole kids college on that line. And they're saying, go Eagles. I mean, they're putting their mortgage payments on it because they're that passionate about it. Now, I, I, would Is I, it advisable? I don't think they're doing any of that. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you had mentioned they handled Morgan state last week, 59 to seven. And, you know, you, you can poo-poo it all you want, but in this world of college football, you just got to take care of business. And Nebraska, they took care of business this weekend, even though it, it wasn't pretty. You still yeah. got the win. Yeah. But beating Morgan State 59-7, when Nebraska coaches look at that film, what are they going to see from Georgia Southern? 
what are the strengths of the Eagles coming in and what weaknesses can Nebraska take advantage of? Well, if they, if they, if they want to watch it, I'd say just watch the first, you know, quarter and a half and then go ahead and turn it off because the first quarter and a half was a very slow start for Georgia Southern. So that's what we're, that's what we look like. We were the, the struggling offense, you know, un, unable to complete too many passes. Although, uh, you know, the defense played well, put his way. It was 59-7. It was 17-7 at halftime. It was only a 10-point game. Mm. Um, and, and then you started to find a rhythm. Now, again, I, I think part of that was jitters. I think part of that's new coaching staff, uh, you know, but then you saw it click. And once it started clicking, receivers were getting open. You know, Van Treese was getting into his rhythm. And that's another thing. Georgia Southern in the past, when they would run that option, would slow it down a little bit. Mm -hmm. Now we're going rapid fire. So, I mean, that, that, you know, that's a different thing that we're getting used to. And a guy like me who has to shoot the highlights as well, I got to be on my record button a lot quicker now. So um, I think you're going to see a a Georgia Southern team that, that has a lot of weapons, a lot of athletes all across the field. I mean, just to to show you, uh, you got a guy like Amari Jones who um, started his career over at Tulane. He transfers here just last year. He played running back, wide receiver, and quarterback. And now he's one of our receivers. Sam Kennerson came in as a, as a running back, I mean, as a quarterback. He came in from, uh, from Louisiana as a quarterback, was going to run the option. He was one of the leading receivers uh, the other night. So what Helton and his staff have done is they've identif- identified those athletes. And you know, if you have a bunch of athletes, you got to get them on the field. Uh, heck, we had a true freshman running back who who led the Eagles on the ground, despite having two guys who, you know, Jalen White, who we thought was going to be one of those guys who would run the ball really hard, and Gerald Green, two guys who, who have played a, a lot of football uh, in Statesboro. So, again, I think you're going to see a, a good bit of depth uh, in the skill positions for Georgia Southern, and you're going to see a defense that uh, gets around, and, and again, I think if you overlook or you think you can throw deep against the secondary for Georgia Southern, you're going to be kind of surprised. They're, they're, they're a very talented bunch. And, and, you know, in recent years, we're sending guys to the league, and, and it's no different this year. You get a guy back uh, by the name of Derek Canteen. He missed pretty much all last year with an injury after being a freshman All-American uh, two years ago. Uh, he led the nation, was tied for the lead in the nation with interceptions in a single season. So uh, he came back and he hasn't missed a beat. And then you look at what the COVID year did and, you know, and, and the transfer. We have a seventh year linebacker, Todd Bradley Glenn, who this is wow. his seventh Incredible. year. He's a grown ass man. Yeah, he's got he, a 401k yeah, he, and everything, right? Yeah, I think his retirement. I think he, once he does, he's done playing, he goes straight to retirement. Yeah. Um, his nil deal is with the AARP. <laughs> there you go. I mean, the dude is in there getting his fifty cent coffees from McDonald's before he comes to the stadium. I mean, he's getting it. Um, Hell yeah! One of the nicest kids, and and he's been injured two or three times, but he was already a great story coming in here. He battled and beat cancer when he was in high school coming to Georgia Southern. Wow. And then he, he's blown out his knee a couple times. So you had injuries, you have COVID, you have this. It's seven years. He's going to, and he's going to leave here with two degrees. And you have, like you said, a grown man in the linebacking core who, you know, can kind of help with those young guys who have just come in. So it's kind of fun there. A guy like Dylan Springer up front has been here for a long time as well. Uh, you know, we have a lot of guys who have put in their time and uh, they want to be part of getting this thing back on track. And, and somewhat shocking the world. Not a lot of people, given Georgia Southern, 
uh, much chance this year. And I think Georgia Southern would love nothing more uh, to go out here and Clay Helton's first year and win eight games, get bowl eligible, and just shut a lot of people up, which the reality is this team could do that. One thing that you're kind of bringing up here is talking about the defense. And I think recently uh, we finally have found our RB1 and we found maybe the two or three guy just this past week, uh, and that's Anthony Grant. And Anthony Grant looked pretty good last weekend. That's the name on offense you should be looking for. You know, you're going to hear about Casey Thompson, the transfer. But Anthony Grant, and we said it, he, he looked a little bit like Amir Abdullah, just a little bit. So just just watch out for that, Frank. Yeah, so I guess my question for you is, the, what's the run defense looking like? Because we have, this year, really struggled with this offensive line, and years prior, of course. But this year, we're looking at it, and we are not sold whatsoever on our offensive line. So it's kind of Anthony Grant just out there just making plays and, and getting whatever room he can. So that's something that I, that we're obviously really concerned about, especially in the Big Ten, is that offensive line. So is there anything that kind of sticks out to you in that regard? Well, and that's good news because, you know, one thing that, that you know, a lot of us down here know are those corn-fed boys that are going to be in the Midwest. I mean, and that's <laughs> one thing that, uh, that Georgia Southern has struggled with a lot of time, that constant mashing. You know, because usually we've come in and we were undersized along the defensive front. So that constant pounding, it, it, it would wear on our defensive line. And we would try to, you know, especially in these early season matchups, you don't get you don't get a lot of depth, uh, you know. And so you're, getting a, you're throwing a lot of guys just kind of out there, throwing them to the wolves, so to speak. And they're not ready to play at that level. Um, with this defensive front, uh, they're quick. They're long, they're lean, and they're fast. So I think, you know, I, I think they're – and they're athletic. And that's what's fun to watch. You're going to see, you know, guys, three defenders up front, and then you're going to see a wealth at linebacker. But usually you're going to go two or three down. You know, I think up front in our middle is where you're really going to see something with a with a Parker Devine and, and some of those guys there. But, you know, you, you got Todd Bradley Glenn off the corner. Uh, you, you got Justin Ellis is another guy who started his career at Syracuse and is now one of our defensive ends. Uh, you know, between him and, and Dylan Springer there, they're both pretty good. And you're going to see us walk up. And and what we saw out of week one really excited what we saw. And, of course, Georgia Southern with Clay Helton. While Clay Helton was a big hire, I think, you know, getting a defensive coordinator like Will Harris, who comes here from the University of Washington, uh, I think that was a big addition for us as well. So a guy from the West Coast who – who's been in some big football games. Now you have him as your defensive coordinator. Uh, and those guys are really playing for him. And I think they're excited. They're flying around to the ball. Um, I, I think Georgia Southern speed uh, can, can compete with Nebraska. I think, you know, in years past, Georgia Southern has gone, and we always talk about the Southern speed. Uh, and most of our non-conference games have been against, you know, SEC squads. It's hard to, to, to show that Southern speed when everybody else in the SEC has guys just as fast as you. Has the same right? Southern exactly. speed, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, and we you know we saw that firsthand uh, when we played LSU during their national championship season. Uh, you know, we saw it last year when we traveled to Arkansas, and who knew that Sam Pittman in Arkansas was going to be America's darlings. Uh, you know, those type games expose you a little bit that, yeah, you're, you're fast, but you ain't SEC fast. So, yeah. I mean, you know, there, there is a there is a different level to that. So um, but I, our guys are fast and they're long, they're lean. And, and I think they get off the ball really well and they, they know how to stretch plays. So if there's one thing that could hurt Georgia Southern, one thing that uh, 
they didn't do they did it a lot, but it didn't really hurt us too much uh, in week one was the the cutback. I mean, that was one thing where we would stretch it out and you would think, OK, they're going to run right. Into, and then he would see it cut back and take it in, you know, a 20 yard gain. So that's one thing we got to do better on the backside, having those spies there staying at home. So, uh, you know, a team like Nebraska, which is going to have more team speed, uh, can turn that 10 yard gain that we saw this past week into a 20-25, if not taking it to the house type play. So that's going to be very important for us. All right, so Frank, we want to know, as you make the trip up to Lincoln, as your Georgia Southern Eagles make the trip up to Lincoln, are you going to be traveling back to Georgia with a win or a loss? And if you want to give a score prediction, feel free to give one. Well, I tell you what, and I'm not going to – I'm like them. I'm not going there to lose. Um, we really hope that, uh, the Nebraska we, we saw over in, uh, in Ireland shows up a little bit. Um, <laughs> Dang, Frank. Hurtful, but savage. Hurts, <laughs> but again, Hurts I've, man. I've watched both games and, and you guys do things well. There are some things that, that, that you got to get fixed up too, before you get into the, the meat and tater of your schedule. We're also really hoping that you guys are looking forward to this, uh, this Oklahoma game next week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so Shoot. you guys you guys could go ahead and take the rest of the week off and get rested. <laughs> we don't need to practice tackling. We're we're good yeah. with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah, you go ahead yeah. and do that. And and I mean, and that's that's the reality of it is, you know, where you know, while you guys have a game against Oklahoma coming up, which you know, huge for you guys, for us it's it's another non-conference and, and we come back and we go play UAB. So again, uh, it, Georgia Southern, it, they know if, if they're going to, to to do what they want to do this year, this is a game that uh, they've got to go and show well at. And I, and I think I think the big thing for Georgia Southern is, uh, and I was really excited about. Yes, you got a new coaching staff. They only had three penalties last week in the season opener. So with a new staff, to me that was impressive, and that means that they're playing disciplined under a new coaching staff, and they've already bought in. I thought you know they they forced four turnovers. That was a positive for Georgia Southern. So many guys got their hands on them. I think if you do all those things, you can compete with anybody in the country, uh, you know, for the most part. So I'm going to say Georgia Southern comes into uh, to Lincoln and they leave 34-27 winners. Woo. All right. Wow. All right. All right. Okay, Frank. Now, I just want to – I can only speak for myself here, and I think the guys here would agree with me. We are not overlooking Georgia Southern. Hell no. Oh, no you, especially, I after, especially after last week, hell to the no. no. Yeah, I don't, I don't think we're looking ahead. I don't think um, this staff can afford to do that. I don't care about OU. Um, yeah. They, I really don't. I don't think they're taking Georgia Southern lightly, and I think that score from last week definitely has piqued their interest. So I, we all in this room hope you are completely wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, no yeah, that means because, I mean, if, 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 if you know – you know, what we hear down here is, you know, if Southern goes up and wins, will you guys be having other headlines when all is said and done after oh, this? Oh, 100%. Oh, yeah. 100%. Sure. And, well, after week six, probably. And I was yeah. going to – Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. talk about all that little thing and everything else, but that's – Yeah, just that's after here October 1st. I, that's something that, you know, I really hope you don't have to experience because we've gone through enough of it here, and that's uh, it, it's not – put this way, when you're winning, everybody's everybody's happy. Yep. yep. Everybody's happy. And be the beer's colder. It tastes better. <laughs> right. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I really didn't want to bring this up, but in 2013, you know, that, that win against Florida, 
pretty much spelled the end for Will Muschamp at Florida. It did. So it's you're seeing we're getting an odd vibe around here. It, it's it, not it great. So Georgia Southern, the harbinger of doom. Harbinger, yes. Well, and then then you look, you go go a couple years later when Georgia Southern took Georgia to overtime. That was kind of leading to the end for Mark Richt in Athens as well. So mm. I mean, I mean, our our big brothers to the north can actually thank us because it ultimately got Kirby Smart there, and now you're national champs, and hey, everybody, yeah. you know, happy, happy, happy. So crown yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll like take UCF. the victories whenever, wherever we can. But no, we're looking forward to coming out. Uh, team will fly out Friday, uh, get in there. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a little different. Usually when we fly in, we don't have all day to sit around and wait. But we'll be watching some college football on Saturday, waiting for our kick there in the evening. So are you going to be working? Are you going to be in the press box? Well, I'll, I'll actually do the pre, the pregame in the press box. And then I'll go down to the field to do my second half of my uh, my reporting duties. I'll do sidelines and then. This was this is new this year. I, I do the sidelines with my earpiece and a microphone, but I'm also shooting video on my camera for the news end of it. So yeah, we we multitask. Nice. Uh, well, if if you're looking for somewhere to kind of hang out before everything starts taking taking off, <laughs> hey, Mike's got an awesome tailgate here, and you're more than welcome to stop by and, and hang out. Well, I can <laughs> tell you what, I, I I'm taking requests. We will come in Friday. We always do a, a radio group big. Uh, big uh dinner and hanging out and and socializing and fellowshipping and and there's a good bit of people coming from states bro They're, they've got it circled they're okay. making the trip so really looking forward to the hospitality and looking forward to getting out there and uh you know at it it's one of those things that where i've always wanted to go watch a game and and this is going to be a, a pretty cool experience guys yeah for well, sure if you're, when you come to the area if you come in on a friday check out nebraska brewing company great local brewery here uh largest brewery in nebraska so uh, if wow. you want some good local craft beer come on by and they will take good care of you. That's where we're at right now. So yeah, it's actually where we're recording at the yeah, moment. So. <laughs> well, then we're there. That's That will be, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and pencil it in. Perfect. Awesome. Okay. So Mike, you'll be looking for the big guy wearing yeah. the Georgia Southern polo. Hey, yeah. we'll, we'll show them how Nebraska does it out here. Yeah. We'll we're, looking forward to it. we're looking yeah. forward to it. Yeah. Okay. So all our listeners go follow Frank Solkowski at the big guy, WJCL. I'm sure he'll be, posting some things coming up yep. game day and on Saturday. So again, Frank, we want to thank you for coming on NBNR and hope you have a great rest of your Labor Day. Guys, appreciate y'all so much anytime. And, and we look forward to seeing you guys here this weekend. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Cheers. Thank you. All right, guys. So let's, let's put a bow on this and let's move to Georgia Southern. We did talk with the big guy and he gave his prediction. He, he predicted a Georgia Southern win. And I don't think any of us are going to agree with that necessarily. But we will go into scoring predictions. Connor Cavillac, do you have a score in mind? And I'm saying you because I don't yet. So I um, last week I called Nebraska 35 to 10. Um, this week I do. We we talked about how does Nebraska you know handle this kind of success? And you know again we played North Dakota, which again not disparaging North Dakota in any way. They did play a very good game. I am actually going to repeat that prediction hey, i'm going to say nebraska again 35 to 10 i think the defense shows out a little bit better not you know again disparaging georgia southern's offense but the defense i i think they're it's time that i i feel like I, there's no real quantifiable way to to say why i feel this way but i feel like the defense is going to figure it out i like 35 10 nebraska it's a feeling okay well i guess i will just go next uh last week i thought that we would score more points against that FCS opponent. So I'm not going to go that route again. Mm. I also 
think that the things that Georgia Southern does good on offense, we don't do good on defense. Uh, those those quick passes, getting the ball out of your hands fast, um, rushing the passer, and they had their way with obviously a, a lesser opponent, maybe. Uh, so I'm going to just go out there, and I'm going to say that Nebraska puts up 38, and Georgia Southern puts up 28. 38-28, oh, Nebraska. Okay. I was going to say 38-20. to 20. Nebraska wins. 38 to 20. Um, the thing I will be looking for is that offensive line, of course. This past week, Casey Casey got teed off on a little bit. And he had yeah, to visit the 10 a few times. And if you're Georgia Southern, you're looking at that and going, God, you know, I know he's got thumb issues. And maybe if I bring the heat, I can get someone else in there. Uh, they, that offensive line doesn't have a junkyard dog to be seen There's anywhere. no dogs <laughs> on that line. But, you know, I think Georgia Southern, they're going to try to get their dudes in space. And you see how poor tackling that this Nebraska team is. So, they're going to spread the ball around. I think they're going to bring in the heat on Casey. Nebraska will score their points. Georgia Southern will score their fair share of points. 38-20, to 20, Nebraska. All right, and I will close it out. I'm going to agree with everything Jared just said. I think I think their offense is going to spread us out pretty bad, and we're just going to end up running all over the field. So my prediction is 31, Nebraska, mm. 24, Georgia Southern. So one Nebraska score, one score game. Yeah, Nebraska does not does not cover this 21 point. Is that what it is? 20. I thought. Yeah, uh, hey, I think that's what Frank I, said. I, right? I've got them covering. Yeah. 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 I don't. Think I've so. got them covering. I don't. Yeah, I don't. First I do cover of the them. year. They're not going to cover. I, <laughs> I just don't see it. I, I just until that defense proves that they can tackle and not play twenty yards off a guy. Like on, mm. I just can we also yeah. talk about through Scott Frost's tenure at Nebraska how just abysmal he is at covering the spread. Like it's so uncommon. Listen, for him. listen. We don't need to talk shit about Scott Frost right now. We don't need to. Do it. Yeah, Everybody do it. knows how we feel. <laughs> it's, it's a win. A win was a win. It That's was a right. win. It was a win. It was a win. But keep saying it. Let's try to get another one. Two in a row. I would like another. Two in a row. Let's get creative on defense, shall we? Let's quit playing fucking soft zone. Let's bring some heat. I know it kind of backfired on one play, but let's be last week. But let's be let's be aggressive. Let's be let's create some fucking havoc, man. Well, I mean, let's if take you're the playing, initiative. If you're the superior team, right? You're the power five team. Man to man. Man to man. Bump them at the line. Set the show, tone. Yeah. Set the fucking tone. Do not give them that cushy bullshit anymore. God. I'm sitting in my seat just like, why? Why are you 10 yards off this guy? Why? Why is why is this safety running back and forth, following this guy? No, 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 no. Just <laughs> fucking line up, play some man coverage. You're yeah. the, the superior opponent. You have more talent than they will ever dream of. Mm-hmm. And you're still letting you play to the level of your competition. That's right. No, you're not wrong. And I've, I've been a chin-hander defender, but it's time to like take some initiative and like, Hey, this might be my last year. Let's be the aggressor here. Okay. Yep. Bring some pressure. Let's do it. All right, guys. Let's let's wrap this up. Go to nbnrpodcast.com. We have past episodes there. We have merch to buy. Go to our Etsy. We got hats. We got shirts. We got iPhone cases. We have two bags. Yeah, we, they know that, All Connor. Right. I'm just making sure you're going to cover it. We do, we, <laughs> Kyle, do have, we do have tote bags. We, shit. We've had zero sales on tote bags. It's zero. Never going to it's never going to happen. We've sold more tote bags than games that Scott Frost has covered the spread. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I had to. I'm sorry. Where, wherever you listen to your podcast, guys, whether that's Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we are there. Please give us a five-star review. Give us a download. It works in the algorithm in our favor. Don't ask us how. It just does. 
Thank you once again to Herd at Media, Herd at Sports, for, for getting our name out there and getting us in touch with our sponsor, Charlie Hustle. Go to at Charlie Hustle Co. on Twitter. They're on Instagram as well at that same tag. They have an awesome campus capsule with Nebraska merch on there. So if you're into like that vintage Nebraska look like I am myself. Like the 90s. The 90s. <laughs> the 1990s, Iowa. Don't get too excited over there. They have awesome stuff there. So please go to Charlie Hustle Co. And, you know, go to, go to their Twitter and be like, hey, No Block No Rock sent me. I think that'd be really cool. Get our name out there, too. Anything else, guys? I don't think that's it. I'm set. Okay, let's sign off. I'm one of your hosts, Jared Hall. Kyle Byers. Mike Delaware. And Connor Cavillac. And as always, beat Georgia Southern in GBR. We have a saying, no block, no rock. You know, we just really love Hunter. He's a junkyard dog. Yeah. Kenny Bell ran up to me. He's like, you know what you just, what you just <laughs> did? You get mad. When you go get in the portal and go to another podcast? You know, usually dumbbells are in pairs. They had five dumbbells. Hey, <laughs> gone it, Muhammad. GBR. A Huda Media Production.